Well, good morning. We're so thankful to have you here. We want to welcome those that are online as well. Well, I haven't preached in three weeks, so I need to jump right in because I got a lot to say. That's what happens when I don't preach for three weeks. So I've got, a, a, I think, a special word to share with you this morning. What I want to do is I want to talk to you the next few weeks about walking in the favor of God. Yes. You know, favor is the word that God has dropped into my spirit for us as a church this year. Really, all the way back to last spring, early summer, I began to get this word in my spirit. And I'm praying that this year, 2023, would be a year of God's favor, not only on your life individually, but on our life as a church corporately. How many of you would say, I desire to have more of the favor of God in my life on our church, right? Honest to God truth, you can ask my wife this, but the number one thing that I pray, pray over all the time is for the favor of God. Oh God, I pray that your favor would be on my life on my ministry. God, I pray that your favor would be on my kids. I even pray this over my grandkids. You say, you don't have any. Not yet, but I'm praying now that prayer. I pray that God would do, his favor would be seven times more than it was in me and their mother's life. I pray that all the time over future generations that are even yet to come. I pray this over our church that, oh Lord, that you would give us favor as a church in this town because we're going to need your help. Favor. That's my prayer over our church in 2023. And so that's what I want to begin the year talking about. I want to start by taking you to a unique story found in Luke chapter 2. What's unique about it is it's the only story in the Bible that actually gives us any kind of information about Jesus as a young boy. In this story, Jesus is 12 years old. And while on a trip to Jerusalem with his family, Mary and Joseph end up, get this, losing Jesus. And it takes them a number of days to find him again. And, and I, I need to let you know right up front, what this story is about at its core is favor. We know that because the story begins and ends with a statement about the favor of God. Look at it with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. The scripture says this, beginning of a story, and the child grew, talking about Jesus, and became strong, filled with wisdom, and here it is, the favor of God was upon him. If you go down to the end of the story, verse 52, we're told this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and something else. What is it? In favor with God and man. Now, and I want you to think about this for a moment. Although Jesus was the very son of God, he's God incarnate, right? Co-equal with God it tells us that he increased in favor with God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's hard for me to wrap my mind around. I mean, that even Jesus needed to increase in favor with God in his relationship with him. But that's what it tells us. Can I just say this? If Jesus needed to increase in favor with God, how much more should we seek to increase in favor with God? You see, these two bookend verses help us understand the story in between is all about increasing in favor with God. You know, I, I think one of the greatest things that can happen to us individually and corporately this year is for us to experience the favor of God in a greater way than we ever had before. Listen, do you understand the favor of God is something that you want in your life? Because it makes a big difference in your lives and the lives of the people who come in contact with you. 
I want you to think about this for a second. If I have the favor of God in my life, that's going to affect my wife. It's going to affect my kids. It's going to affect my future grandkids. It's going to affect the people I pastor. It's going to affect the community I live in. If the favor of God is in my life in a greater way, then I can make a greater impact in the lives of people around me, right? On the other hand, if I don't have the favor of God in my life, I'm going to be at a deficit when it comes to ministering to my family, my church, and my community. You say, why is that? Because human strength alone is not going to be enough to accomplish all that God wants to accomplish through me for his kingdom purposes in the lives of other people around me. You see, here's, here's what I want you to get so deep in your spirit. Favor is not optional, optional it's essential. That's why the number one thing that I pray about all the time is favor. Now, before we get to this story here in Luke, let's talk about favor for just a moment. What is it? What are we talking about? Why do I need it in my life? I don't even understand what you're talking about. To better help you understand, I want to share with you some biblical observations about faith. This is kind of by way of introduction. Observation number one, I'm going to share six of them. Number one, favor is the blessing of God in our life to help us. You know, favor is mentioned 126 times in your Bible. And if you read through your Bible, let me take you on just a little bit of a tour. The Bible tells us that Noah found favor with God. And remember his story, God used him to build a boat that saved the human race and the animal kingdom from extinction. Do you understand, although Noah built that boat, he did not do it in his own strength? It's God that brought the animals two by two. It's God that gave him the dimensions of the ark so it would float on the rough waters and what it needed to be not to capsize. He did that with the favor of God upon his life. The Bible tells us that Abraham found favor with God. And he fathered the nation of Israel that Jesus would come through to bless the world. Listen, do you understand Abraham and Sarah did not do that in their own strength? Remember the story? They were old. They were infertile. They were beyond childbearing years. But they ended up having a son that built that nation named Isaac that Jesus came through. Do you understand? They did that with the favor of God upon their life. The Bible tells us that Joseph found favor with God. And he saved Israel from a famine that was threatening to wipe them out. Do you understand Joseph did not elevate himself from that prison into second command into Egypt? He did not get himself out of the prison to the palace. It was the favor of God on his life that helped him do that. The Bible tells us Moses found favor with God. And we know the story. He led the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. The favor of God made that possible. God did that with, or Moses did that with the help of God. Eight times in the book of Esther, we're told that Esther had the favor of God, or she sought the favor of God, and she saved the people of, of Israel from genocide. Do you understand the favor of God helped her accomplish that? In the book of Judges, Gideon had the favor of God on his life, and he defeated an army of 120,000 with only 300 men. Listen, you can do that when you have the favor of God on your life. Favor of God helped him do that. You go to the New Testament. The Bible tells us that Mary found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Remember what the angel said? Mary, you who are what? Highly favored. And her virgin womb gave birth to Jesus. She did that with God's help, with his favor. Listen, I say all that to say this. When you have the favor of God in your life, and what ends up happening is you have a measure of his ability, his anointing, and his power at work in your life to some degree to help you do what you couldn't do on your own. Yes. 
Listen, sometimes the favor of God in our life opens doors that won't open for other people. I've also found out that sometimes the favor of God will shut doors that God doesn't want you to go through. How many know sometimes God guides you by what he doesn't provide you? The, the favor of God often results in unnatural success and fruitfulness on, in places where it shouldn't be. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think, I believe this church has the favor of God on it. How do you explain it? You go to church experts and they're like, you shouldn't be running that many people and that shouldn't be happening. And who's going to come? In fact, right now our bathrooms are down again. We shouldn't have be filling these services up like this. What, what, what are you doing? I believe it's the favor of God. And one of the reasons why I'm doing this series is I recognize we've had the favor of God. I don't want to lose it. And not only do I not want to lose it, I want it to increase. Because I believe what God is going to do in this church is only just yet begun. I believe the best things are yet to come. Listen, the favor of God is the blessing of God that results in a greater working and presence of his in our life. Isn't it true that you just go some places and you're like, I can't explain it, but I, the favor of God's here. You walk into some places and you're like, the favor, I, I, I can sense it, I can feel it. There are certain people you get around and you're like, I can tell you the favor of God's on their life. I can sense it. I, 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 can, I can feel it. Listen, favor is the blessing of God in a person's life to help them. And favor has a way of multiplying the power of God in our life in a way that you and I could have not done on our own or ever imagined what he would do. Here's observation number two. Favor is given to develop our relationship with God. Now, the word favor and the word grace in your New Testament, they're the very same Greek word. It's the Greek word charis. Everybody say charis. Okay? Sometimes charis is translated in our English Bible as favor and sometimes grace, depending on the, the context. Okay? I, I want you to think about this. Grace is how our relationship with God begins for every one of us, right? Everyone's relationship with God begins there. Our salvation isn't something that we earned, but a free gift that we received. God did it for us, right? Jesus died on a cross for us so that through faith in him, we could then have what? Access to the presence of God in our life. And it's his presence that makes it possible for his favor to be on our life in even greater ways. And, and there is nothing, I'm telling you, there's nothing that will build your faith more that when you recognize the favor of God, the grace of God at work in your life, and you begin to recognize it, and you begin to say, oh, God, you're so good to me. And how many know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's God's desire that his grace would first save us, and then as we seek him and his favor, that his grace would increase more and more and more in our life. God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to empower you. Yes. He wants his favor to be on you. And look, look what the writer of Hebrews tells us as Christians. Hebrews 4.16, let us then, otherwise, because Jesus died on a cross to make it possible for us to have a relationship with God, let us then, watch this, with confidence. Why? Because our sins have been forgiven. Draw near, what is it called? To the throne of grace. You say, what is that talking about? We, we can go with confidence to the presence of God. We can draw near to the presence of God. That's what that means. Now, Why? that we may receive mercy and something else, watch this, and find what? Grace, shatteris, favor to help us in our time of need. 
So I want you to think about it this way. Access to God's presence that comes through faith in Jesus by way of God's unmerited grace positions us to experience a greater level of his favor and his power in our life as we seek him. So that means observation number three, favor can increase. The favor of God increased in Jesus' life as he grew in his relationship with God, and so too can it with us. I'm afraid too many Christians settle for saving grace only when God's desire is that his favor would increase more and more and more as we grow in our relationship with God. Think about this. Do you understand as a Christian, you have an opportunity to increase in favor with God where your influence can increase with God? Where he will listen to you and involve you in the things he is doing in this earth and empower you to do what you could have never done in your own strength? Look at Second Chronicles 16.9. You see me pull this up for many sermons, but I love this verse. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to... Strengthen, give help, give grace, give favor to those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Here's option number four about favor. Favor is given so we can extend it to others. And now listen to me. Don't mistake God's favor for him doing you favors. Look, favor is not God being a genie in the bottle where he grants your every wish. And I'm not saying God doesn't do things for you. He does. How many are thankful for that? But, but God's working in you is bigger than just for you. Favor is about you and I lining ourselves up under God's plans and purposes for his kingdom in this world. And favor is given to you so that you could make a difference for him in this world. That's why I desire for the favor of God to increase in my life. I want to be walking in the favor of God as I minister to my family, to this church, to this community. When I think about it, the favor of God in my life, the battles that God has helped me overcome with his favor, the testimony of what God is doing, has done in my life, the level of anointing that is on my life. Do you understand? All that, that favor of God can create momentum that propels other people into a deeper relationship with God when they come in contact with you. That, that, is, that is a greater possibility. When the favor of God is on my life. I believe this is why many Christians don't experience an increase in favor with God. Because their whole Christian walk is about them and them only. And why would God give you more favor if you're not going to do anything with the favor that he's had already given you? I mean, think about it. Remember the list I went through? Noah and Moses and Abraham and Joseph and Esther and Mary. Do you understand why God put his favor on their life? Every one of their lives was about bringing Jesus to this world. And God wants to do the same thing with us. Observation number five. Favor comes in a variety of different forms. Now, I, I love this point, and I want you to wrap your, your mind around this for a second. I think this is really important for us to understand. While we can all increase in favor, not everyone will have the same kind or level of favor at the end of the day. Listen, as, as a Christian, we've all been given, God has all given us a common level of grace through Jesus. How many are thankful for that? But his 
favor will look different in each of our lives. God's favor can look drastically different in my life than it looks in your life. His anointing that he gives each of us, our gifts and talents he gives each of us, can be very different and very unique. And I mention that to you because too many Christians are running around trying to walk in a type of favor of God that was never meant for them. And it blinds them from seeing the favor of God that he has given to them. And you know what that leads to? A disgruntled spirit. God, why didn't you do that for me? Why don't you do that? And Lord, I, listen, because God has a different anointing for you. God has a different calling for you. We have seen this. Listen, there have been two, there have been one amazing thing that's come about with COVID. And there's been one really thing that I think is hindering the church right now. The amazing thing with COVID is it has forced us all to get online. And we are able to reach people that we were never preached to before. I mean, COVID came along and God said, I'm going to preach the gospel to the world. The negative thing that's come with COVID is people are watching all kinds of churches and comparing their church to that church. And that doesn't mean we can't learn from other churches, but the fact of the matter is each church has a unique anointing that's different than that church over there. And it leads to a spirit of disgruntledness. Listen, favor comes in a variety of different forms and measures. Not everybody's going to have the same level of favor. Everybody has the ability to increase but not to the same level. That's the sovereignty of God. Amen? Our job is to be faithful stewards of whatever measure of favor that God has given us, whether it's little or whether it's much. Look at 1 Peter. This is actually 1 Peter 4.10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift. You see that word gift? Charis. You have received to do what? Serve others. As faithful stewards of God's or favor, cherries, in its various forms. And do you know what God does when we are faithful to steward the favor he has given us? He increases favor in our lives. Now, folks, can I say that should not surprise you one bit? Because this is how things work in the kingdom, right? You've been faithful with a few things. What does God say? I'll give you more. Okay, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. One last observation, and it's this. Favor is found in all kinds of circumstances. Okay, this is, this is another big one that we've got to understand. Listen to me very carefully. Favor does not mean all your problems will go away or that everything you want to happen will happen. You know what I've learned in my Christian walk? God's favor can be very strong and very operational in my life on the mountaintop and in the valley. His favor can be on me whether I'm in the prison or the palace. So, so don't mistake favor for no problems. Listen, the issue is I want God's favor no matter where I am, in the valley or the mountaintop. Look what, look what it says about Joseph when he was in prison before he was promoted to the palace. Genesis chapter 39, verse 21. It says, the Lord was with him. Oh, that's a big phrase. The Lord was with him. That's why he had favor, because who was with him? The Lord, watch this. He showed him kindness and granted him what? Favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So favor is found in all kind of circumstances. So that's some observations kind of a way of introduction for this message. Now, with that as an introduction, let's talk about walking 
in the favor of God. Let's go back to our story in Luke chapter 2. With the rest of our time today, what what we're going to do is we're going to learn a principle today about increasing in favor with God from the life of Mary and Joseph in this story. And then next week, we're going to come back to this very same story, and we're going to learn some principles from Jesus about increasing in favor with God in this story. Sound good? All right, let's learn from Mary and Joseph here. Here's the big principle that we're going to learn from them today. This is, if you don't get anything else, this is, this, is, this is what it's all about. If you want to increase in favor, stay close to Jesus. If you want to stay, if you want to increase in favor, you got to stay close to Jesus. Let's go ahead and look at the story. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 40. It says, and the child, talking about Jesus, grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was on him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. So let me help you understand what's happening here. Every year there were three different Jewish feasts that people from all over Israel and a lot of people from all over the world would pilgrimage to Jerusalem for. Passover was one of those three. So that's the trip that Mary and Joseph and Jesus are on here. And I want you to understand the age of Jesus here is very significant. It says he's now 12 years old. So what that means in Jewish society is he's no longer considered a young child. Okay, He's now a boy man, if that makes sense. So he's now considered a son of the law. He's now considered a full part of the synagogue. That means he can now participate in all the things that adult males participate in during Passover at the temple. So this is a big year for Jesus. And so it says, verse 43, and when the feast had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, let me stop there for a second. Understand the scene. Mary and Joseph leave town and they would have been traveling. Remember, they come from 60 miles north from Nazareth and, and there's everybody goes for Passover. So your, your family and friends, this is, this is a caravan of people. And you know what happens when you get along with friends and family? What do the, the adults get together and the kids are running around playing and you're like, I haven't seen them all day because they're with their cousins. And, and so this is the kind of thing that Mary or Joseph are thinking about. And, and so Mary and Joseph assume Jesus is somewhere in the midst of the caravan and they go about a day's journey and they realize that Jesus isn't with them. Now, parents, have you ever had that moment? You ever been somewhere? And you look around and you're like, oh my gosh. And all of a sudden the wheels are spinning. Who took my kid? And they've been kidnapped. Am I the only one that's had that experience? Okay, we've all had that experience. So you know what the panic that Mary and Joseph are feeling. And think about this. They didn't just lose anyone. They lost the son of God. Now there's a great point in that. As faithful and wonderful as Mary and Joseph are, as good of parents as they were, they weren't perfect parents either. You don't have to be a perfect parent for God to do things in your kids' lives. Amen. Now, verse 45. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Now, think about this in the story. If they were already one day's journey from Jerusalem, how long is it going to take them to get back to Jerusalem? Another day. 
So after two days, they arrived back in Jerusalem. And I want you to remember, Jerusalem is full of pilgrim Passover pilgrims. Historians tell us at this time in history, so many people would come in for Passover that Jerusalem could swell to 60 to 80,000 people. So there's a lot of people in Jerusalem. And it says this, after three days. Now, I don't know if that means they were gone for two days and then it took them three days to find or three days total. I don't know. But after three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw this, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? How many of you ever parents been there? Going to read the ride act, right? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. What I want to do is I want to share with you, before we close, four lessons from Mary and Joseph that we learn about staying close to Jesus. Because if you and I are going to know the favor of God in our life, it starts with being close to Jesus. Because what can happen very easily, even for the most of uh, faithful of Christians, is there can be a distance that develops between us and Jesus. I'm not talking about losing your relationship with Jesus, but there can be distance in our relationship between us and Jesus. And when there's distance, here's what I know automatically. When that happens, there's going to be a diminishing of favor on our life. Get as close to Jesus as you possibly can and make sure you never lose sight of him. Young people, listen to me. I promise you, if you will make that the priority of your life now, you won't regret it when you're 40 and 50 and 60. You will have some kind of testimony. So let me give you four lessons about staying close to Jesus. Lesson number one. The separation for Mary and Joseph began when they assumed Jesus was doing what he always did. Look at verse 43. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. You know, the longer we walk with Jesus, the more easily we can fall into the trap of thinking that we've got God all figured out. I'm just as guilty as you are. That we know what he's going to do. That we know how he's going to work. That we know how he wants to lead us. Listen, there is nothing wrong with looking back at how God worked in our life in the past. And often he works in similar ways. And he can and he often does. But let me say this. God has a way of doing new things in new ways all the time. You know why that is? Because he wants us to know it's him. And not us. Listen, what God did yesterday is not always what he's going to do tomorrow. You read the great revivals in history, there were common denominators, but they were all very different in how they came about. They were all very different on how God moved because God is a God of variety that does new things so that people know it's him. I want you to think about this. Nobody knew Jesus better than Mary and Joseph. 
But they made the mistake of thinking whatever they did, he was going to do. Listen, don't ever assume the favor of God is automatic wherever you go. This, this is why I think it's so important that we develop the daily habit and the life habit of constantly talking to Jesus about our life and we're, what we do. Listen, sometimes what happens is we don't consult Jesus about a relationship, about a move, about a change in our life, or a ministry that we think we should start, only later to find out down the road that it wasn't God's plan. Because it's evident it was, it, that it never had the favor of God on it. This is why we daily need to be taking time to seek Jesus about his direction for our life in everything. We need to be praying through the issues of life. Let me say this as well. Let me flip the script here and not just talk about seasoned Christians. There are some Christians, uh, and even a lot of brand new Christians, and maybe a lot of Christians in between, who make the mistake of thinking, hey, I've got Jesus now in my life. I can just go back and live the way the world does, and God's going to bless it. That is a surefire way not to have the favor of God in your life. I'm not saying that God doesn't love you, because he does. But what I am saying is he is not going to put his favor on a sinful lifestyle. There are some things that Jesus is not going to bless that he just will not put his favor on. He will never bless something in the Bible that's called sin. Okay? He's going to go to work with his grace to try to redeem you out of that sin. But he can't put his favor on you in that area. Listen, you, you understand, we know this. What does sin do? It always puts distance in our relationship with Jesus. The daily habit of a Christian walk should be, Jesus, oh my gosh, Jesus, this is what I'm dealing with. How do you think I should respond? What does your word say? Hey, Jesus, here's what I'm thinking, but what are you thinking? Hey, Jesus, here's what I'm going to do, but I don't want to do anything unless your favor is going to go with me. So what do you want to do? Jesus, here's where I think I should go, but where do you want me to go? Because here's the deal. I don't want to go any down any road where the favor of God is not going to be able to be with me. Why? Because it affects everything. It affects my kids, it affects my ministry, it affects, it affects what, my, the anointing that God has on my life. I, 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 I want that in my life. Always stay close to Jesus about everything. Think about this. How much better if Mary and Joseph would have sought Jesus out first instead of assuming that he would do what he always did? I mean, this would have been so much easier if they would have been like, hey, Jesus, have it been great? You're a big boy now in a synagogue. You're wowing these guys. This is, this is awesome. Hey, do you, do you, are you ready to leave? And you know what Jesus would have said? No, I'm not. It would have saved him a lot of trouble. Here's lesson number two. They were not aware of Jesus' absence until they stopped to spend time with him. Look, starting in verse 43, it says, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. This is such an amazing statement. His parents did not know it. And when they, they, they looked, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. I want you to think about this for a second. They thought that they were close to Jesus, but they weren't. Listen, it's possible to assume we're close to the presence of Jesus when we're not. Let me share with you a few warning signs, not an exhaustive list, that often reveal that there may be some distance in our relationship with Jesus. Here's, here's, the, here's the first sign. I'm no longer impressed by him. 
Look, in this passage, Jesus is conversing with the religious leaders of Israel. These are the guys that have studied this all their life, and they're amazed at Jesus. They are impressed with him. They're enamored with him. They're hanging on his every word, but Mary and Joseph are not impressed. They're astonished to find him in the temple, but they're not impressed. In fact, they're upset with him. Look at this. Son, why have you treated us so? Let me say this. If you're no longer impressed with Jesus, if you're no longer thrilled by him like you once were, if you're no longer, if he's no longer a big deal in your life, if what he is doing doesn't move you, if you're no longer hanging on his every word, it's because you're not as close to his presence as you used to be. Here's sign number two. There may be distance in your relationship with Jesus, a lack of peace. Look at this. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. A lack of peace in your life is always a sign that there's some distance between you and the Lord. Listen, I'm not saying that life doesn't happen. I there's just times when life happens and, and, and worry and anxiety comes flooding into my life. And, but in that moment, you know what I need to do? I need to run as quick as I can to Jesus. Because when, when you run into the presence of Jesus, there, there's a peace there that, that is unique. How many know what I'm talking about? Because where God's presence is, His pieces. I mean, right? Look at Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When life happens, what does the Bible say? Hey, don't get gripped. Don't get get so wrapped up. Not that it doesn't hurt. Not that it's not real. Not that there's not concerns for you. But don't get so wrapped up there. What you need to do is you need to instantly stop and you need to run to the presence of God. Look look at it. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what's the promise? God says, and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, it's interesting as a pastor, I see this in operation. You ever been around somebody that is going through the valley? And I'm talking a deep valley. And there's pain and there's hurt, but there's just an unusual peace with them. I've been in hospital rooms where, where, where kids are passing away and parents grieving, but yet there's this unbelievable peace and presence of God in that room. Because the Bible calls it a peace that what? Passes under Let me give you one more that there may be distance. I'm self-centered in my thinking. Think about this. Jesus is wilding the religious leaders of Israel. He's ministering to people. This is a great day for young Jesus. This is a picture of his future. And all Mary and Joseph can do is think about themselves. Look at it. Son, why have you treated? What's the word? Us. So, all they can think about, there's, there's ministry happening, and all they can think about is scooping up Jesus and getting back home because they got things to do. Listen, self-centeredness is always a sign that you're not as close to the presence of Jesus as you thought because the presence of Jesus is always seeking to minister to other people. And when you don't care about that, when you don't, can't find time to serve others on behalf of Jesus, when our relationship with Jesus is only about me and not we, it's a sign that there is distance in your relationship between you and 
Jesus. Isn't it true? Bible knowledge can puff you up and think you're closer to God than you really are. Jesus never said you would know people by how much Bible knowledge they have, although that's important. He said you'll know them by their fruit. Do you know why God lets fruit be birth for other people to consume? Do you understand that? Here's lesson number three we learn in the story about staying close to Jesus. Are you still with me? All right. Mary and Joseph made the mistake of not going to God's house. Now, we're, we're told in the story that they searched for three days in Jerusalem. Once again, I don't know if the math is three days total or five days, but three days in itself is a long time to look for a kid that's missing, right? A lot can happen in three days. They eventually find Jesus in the temple. What took them so long? Do you know what I mean? They searched in all kind of other places before they decided to say, hey, maybe we should go look in the temple. Hello, McFly, right? Back to the Future reference, love that movie, right? Mary and Joseph, why didn't you look there first? I mean, he's the son of God. And Jesus is thinking the same thing. Look what it says. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Hello? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? They should have known that they would find Jesus in God's house. Listen, you say, why didn't they know? Because when, when a person is spiritually distant from God, they're blind to the spiritually obvious things. Let me say this. If you want to stay close to Jesus... Don't neglect church. You need to make it a priority in your life. I'm not saying there are times when I understand you have to work, I understand there's vacations, but for some of us, it's just a law, it's just an option. And it's just an option for my kids. Listen, if you want to stay close to the presence of Jesus, you have to be around the things that God's, that his presence is in. Listen, his presence is in the word. His presence is in his church because together we're the body of Christ. His presence is in his people. I'm not saying that Jesus can't minister to you. I'm not saying he can't minister to you outside the four walls of this church. But what I am saying is this. There is a greater presence of his when we worship together than when we worship alone. Listen, in my own personal life, there's certainly there are times in my personal life where I sense the presence of God super duper strong, but I never sense it more strong than I'm in when I'm worshiping with you guys. Why? Because Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am also. You know what Jesus is saying? When, I, when my people gather together, there is an extra sense of my presence. And listen, if you want to stay close to Jesus, put yourself in a place where there's more of the presence of God. Because you're not the body of Christ by yourself. This is why you need other Christians in your life. This is why we do life groups. This is, or connect groups. This is why church is so important and why you should never neglect it. Listen, one of the things that has happened with COVID is this. Certainly, there are people that, that online has been great for. They, they got to be careful. They're going through some cancers and some things. This has been a wonderful thing. I've talked to many people like that. But so many people have now, oh, I can just watch online. Listen, online is good. It's wonderful. It's, it's a great option where you can't make it to church, but that shouldn't be your normal option. You need to be around the people of God. And the word of God being taught by people that have the favor of God to preach it. I'm not saying I'm the only preacher. 
But there's an anointing, and how many know that there's an anointing in this room this morning, isn't there? It's different than what you feel at home. Listen, one more lesson on staying close to Jesus. Okay? Hey, can I say something to the college kids for a second? College kids, when you go to school, find a church. It's the first thing you need to do. Make it a priority. Make it a priority. Don't wait because you need the body of Christ wrapping their arms around you. Don't wait. And, and when you find your job, I don't care if it's in Seattle. I don't care if it's in Timbuktu. I don't care if it's Antarctica. And it's just you and the penguins and it's church. You go to church. And you make it a priority in your life. Because here's what I have found. There has been so much that God has done in and through my life with being at church because the body of Christ is in operation together. Amen? One more lesson on staying close to Jesus. Mary and Joseph had to learn to trust Jesus with their heart when they didn't understand it, with their mind. Jesus tells them what he's doing, and look what we're told in verse 50. And they did not, what? Understand the saying that he spoke to them. I mean, Jesus clearly playing, hey, this is what I'm doing. They're like, what? They don't get it. And it says, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And watch this. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. You know what I have found? You know what stops a lot of people from trusting Jesus? Well, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't see how that's going to happen. Are you ready for this? That's why it's called faith. Come on now. You don't have to understand to walk by faith. You can trust in your heart even when your mind doesn't understand. And I promise you this, if you walk in the footsteps of the Lord in the direction of your Lord, your mind, God will eventually open your mind and your mind will catch up with your heart down the road. And that's how testimonies are made. I was thinking about this this week. You've heard me tell this story, but you know, there was a time I was fighting God about being a pastor and I, and I finally gave up and said, I'm going to Bible college, but I'm going to start as a youth pastor and as a children's pastor. And God said, no, you're going to be a senior pastor right away. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't like to be in front of people. I don't even think I could preach a sermon. I've got learning disabilities. And God says, you just trust me because my favor is going to go on you. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to help you. And I look back 23 years later and I go, unusual fruitness. I don't know how that happens other than the favor of God is the only explanation. You don't have to understand in order to walk in faith. Remember Abraham? This is Father Abraham, the father of faith. You know, we love to talk about faith. We're like, faith, 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 faith bumper stickers. Faith, look at my, look at my screen. Faith on my Facebook. And then God says, I want you to do this. You go, I don't understand. I don't know. Then you're not really walking in faith. Remember Abraham? Abraham obeyed God and went, even when, Hebrews 11, he didn't know where he was going. Even though God said, I'm going to make a nation out of the womb of Sarah, he didn't even know how God was going to accomplish that because her womb was dead at that point. And by the end of his life, you read Hebrews chapter 11, God comes to him and says, I'm going to test him. I'm going to see where his heart really is. And he's like, I want you to sacrifice this son I gave you. And Abraham's like, okay, whatever. 
And I look at that and go, how in the world can that be possible? Because he's an old man now, and he's made enough mistakes in his life where he has, he has walked down roads that did not lead to the favor of God. And he says, I don't want to be anywhere else. And so if God wants me to sacrifice my son, I'll do it, because I suppose he could raise him from the dead if that's what God's plan is. Hebrews chapter 11. Trust him. Trust him. I believe the best is yet to come for you, for this church. But it's going to come as we draw closer to Jesus. Because if you want the favor of God to increase in your life, you must stay close to Jesus. And He increased it. Jesus increased. And we know what God did. There was one day when Jesus was done being a boy and ministry started. You know what the very first thing, when he got tempted and came out of the wilderness and he was starting his earthly ministry, he's back in the synagogue once again, wowing the religious leaders. And look what he declares to them. And I, I pray that this prayer over our church, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I pray over this church that the spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to what? Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh, may it be so in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Everyone, would you stand? Listen, I don't know where you're at this morning, but here's my heart. This has been my prayer all week that out of this message, that the God would begin to burn a fire through his Holy Spirit in your life, that you would begin to seek the Lord, that you would get into his word like never before, that directional things would change in some of your lives. Because listen, God's got good things in store for you, but you got to be close to Jesus. Listen, God wants to work in and through you, in your kids' lives, in your grandkids, but you got to get close to Jesus because there's a favor that can come on your life if you stay close to Jesus that can affect generations to come in your lineage that, that the only explanation that people will have is God did that so if you're here this morning and say you know what I desire for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit for, for a fresh anointing in this place would you raise your hands to the Lord this morning and say God here I am I'm flawed I'm a broken vessel I've got issues I don't always hear clearly but today is going to be a new day in the name of Jesus I'm going to seek you in a new way I'm going to pursue you in a new way you're going to become the most important thing in my life once again and Lord I pray right now in the name of Jesus for favor Lord I pray for favor favor in the valleys. I pray for favor on the mountaintops, Lord. I pray for favor in the lives of people here, no matter what they've been through in this year, Lord. I pray that you would turn it for good and there would be favor and you would bring Jesus to the world through them. I pray it in the name of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus. Would you just begin to call out to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Lord, I want your favor. I want more of your presence in my life. Would you just do that right now? Invite him in. Say, God, I'm inviting you in to do a new work in me. I'm inviting you in to do something fresh in me in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. Let it be so in the name of Jesus. Lord, hand. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you, Lord. You are worthy to be praised, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. Lord, I pray, Lord, that this would be a year of favor for this church, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the things that I recognize, and by the way, we're going to update you on the new building here in a few weeks. 
we got, we got information to share with you. We'll update in a few weeks. But here's what I know. We will never get to that new building without the faith of you guys. We'll never be able to make the impact we dream of without the favor of God. Listen, we have the favor of God. We need an increased favor of God. And that only comes through one way. I draw close to Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners to come at this time. If you need prayer in any area of your life, maybe it's even about something we, we about this message, and you're just like, I need somebody to pray over. Even if you don't want somebody to pray over, maybe you just want to come to the altar as we close, and you just want to say, I want to, I want to seal this message in my heart before the Lord. You're welcome to do that. Listen, this is an important moment. So if you need prayer, or you just want to come to the altar and worship for a moment, come do it. The rest of you, God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Next week, we're going to talk about more principles. Join us. Have, have a great week. We'll see you.